Hello, my friends. Today I talk about Michael McCain's Sunday night Twitter rant against Donald Trump and in support of Iran, or not really in support of Iran, but not criticizing them either. It's very strange. I think the Sunday night part is the weirdest. I think it's a sign that he was trying to sneak this through when no other executives could say, whoa, 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 there, big guy. Um, go back to, you know, playing solitaire on your computer, whatever you inheritors of the McCain family do in your third or fourth generation. Anyhow, uh, I'll go through it. I'll go through the tweets. I'll give you my point of view. I'm not impressed. Let me put it that way. Uh, before I get to the podcast, let me invite you to become a premium subscriber. It's eight bucks a month. You get the video version. And I'm going to show you some videos from Iran. And I really want you to see that. I know you might be listening to this podcast in a car or a subway or something like that. But please consider getting the video version because I'm showing you stuff from Iran I know you will not see on the CBC. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com. Premium.rebelnews.com. It's eight bucks a month. It's a bargain at twice the price. All right, here's the podcast. Tonight, in a late-night rant, Maple Leaf Foods CEO sides with Iran over Donald Trump. Is he trying to distract attention from something? It's January 13th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Last night at around 8 p.m., the Twitter account of Maple Leaf Foods, you know, the, the meat company that make sausages and chicken and cold cuts, well, it served up a bit of baloney. It went on a political rant against Donald Trump. I swear my first thought was 8 p.m. on a Sunday night? This has got to be some young social media intern gone rogue. You know, a kid who was maybe upset and was going to quit anyways and went out with a bang. But I guess it's real because it's been almost 24 hours and there hasn't been a sheepish statement from Maple Leaf Foods saying that they've been hacked or anything. It's real. Let me read it for you. I'm Michael McCain, CEO of Maple Leaf Foods, and these are my personal reflections. I am very angry! And time isn't making me less angry. A Maple Leaf Foods colleague of mine lost his wife and family this week to a needless, irresponsible series of events in Iran. He goes on, and I'll get to what he said. Okay, so they're personal reflections. We're all entitled to personal reflections, especially if the family of a friend of yours died. Uh, that's, I get it. But why are you making personal reflections on a corporate account? Why are you using company resources, the company brand, to go on a weird political rant just because you're angry. Why don't, if you're really angry, and I get it, why don't you write a letter to the editor of a newspaper in your own name? Or call up a radio talk show? Or, I don't know, if you're really serious, write a book or run for public office. I mean, do something in your own name. Why are you using company resources, Maple Leaf Foods, to send your political propaganda out there. You're, you're a retail company. You have customers who run the entire political spectrum. 
You sell a third of a billion dollars worth of meat into the United States every year, too. So I'm going to guess that about half of that is bought by Trump voters and half is bought by non-Trump voters. How about just stay politically neutral? Why would you hijack your meat company to go on a weird rant about Iran, no less? It's got nothing to do with the company. I get it. His friend's family died. He says he lost a colleague, uh, family of a colleague. That's upsetting, but... How is that a matter for a meat company to discuss on its corporate media? Let me read some more because that was just the first of several tweets in his late night rant. So the rant was long enough to span four tweets. So let me repeat the last sentence of the previous one and then read the rest. A Maple Leaf Foods colleague of mine lost his wife and family this week to a needless, irresponsible series of events in Iran. And I'll read the next three tweets together. U.S. government leaders, unconstrained by checks and balances, concocted an ill-conceived plan to divert focus from political woes. The world knows Iran is a dangerous state, but the world found a path to contain it. Not perfect, but by most accounts, it was the right direction. A narcissist in Washington tears world accomplishments apart, destabilizes region. U.S. now unwelcomed everywhere in the area, including Iraq. Tensions escalated to feverish pitch taking out despicable military leader terrorist? There are a hundred like him standing next in line. The collateral damage of this irresponsible, dangerous, ill-conceived behavior? 63 Canadians needlessly lost their lives in the crossfire, including the family of one of my Maple Leaf Foods colleagues, his wife and 11-year-old son. We are mourning and I am livid! Michael McCain. Uh, So not a word against Iran or its dictatorship, no criticism for them. Not a word against the Iranian military, which admits that it sent a missile and shot down their own civilian flight. But he's ranting and raging against the United States? U.S. government leaders unconstrained by checks and balances? What what does that mean? The U.S. Congress is in hands of the Democratic Party. Other institutions like the courts routinely strike down Trump's initiative The media is almost universally hostile to Trump. What does he mean by no checks and balances? And how could he criticize America's democracy, the most robust in the world, arguably, without in the same breath commenting at all on Iran's lack of democracy, on their tyranny, or even throwing a mention to the thousands of Iranians who have been marching against their terrorists and dictators at great personal risk. But America, the great democracy, our great friend and neighbor and ally, and Michael McCain's great customer, they're the ones out of control. By the way, it wasn't a series of events that shot down that plane. It was one event, a missile strike. Not this missile strike. This is, this is the attack on Qasem Soleimani. McCain claims the surgical strike that killed two people, two terrorists, the terrorist general and his aide. He claims this attack was ill-conceived. But he doesn't say the Iranians shooting a missile of their own plane was ill-conceived. It's, the attack on Qasem Soleimani actually seems pretty well-conceived to me and pretty well-executed. Minimal loss of life. There was no collateral casualties. They didn't blow up a house or an apartment block. It was so effective it stunned the Ayatollahs. It sure stopped Iran and its militias from attacking American embassies anymore. That's what precipitated this latest back and forth in the region. Iran's proxies in Iraq attacked the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. That's what you're looking at here on the screen now. 
they tried to smash their way in. They even spray painted that terrorist name, Qasem Soleimani. They spray painted it on the embassy. Um, and Iran also killed a U.S. citizen shortly before that, by the way, a U.S. contractor. So that's why Trump struck back at Qasem Soleimani. Don't you wish Canada showed just a tiny bit of backbone, any backbone, when foreign powers kill or take our citizens hostage, as China has done for 13 months now? I thought this line was weird. Uh, U.S. now unwelcomed everywhere in the area, including Iraq. Um, I mean, real question, how would Michael McCain, son of privilege, lucky inheritor of a company that his father and grandfather built, how would some spoiled silver spoon trust fund kid know who's welcome or not in Iraq or elsewhere? How, how would he know? Or what he reads in some left-wing magazine once a month or what he watches on CNN? Look, I, I'm not on the ground over there either. So I'm about as much an expert on Iran as Michael McCain is. Actually, I might be a little bit more, frankly, because at least I follow the news for a living. That's what I do. I'm not making sliced cold cuts for a living and just watching the news at night for half an hour. But, but let me point out two anecdotes. Look at this here. Uh, Trump has been tweeting in the Persian language Farsi directly to Iranians. Look at all these likes and retweets. Um, he says he stands with the democracy protesters and he warns the dictators not to attack those protesters. These tweets, I'm told, have become the most retweeted, the most liked, the most shared tweets ever written in Farsi in the history of Twitter. Uh, people over there in Iran are jubilant that for once the U.S. president isn't throwing them under the bus like Barack Obama did. They're pretty pleased. They're pretty welcoming of Trump. But look at this. This is very powerful in my mind. This, I don't know if you can understand what this is. There's this weird thing they do in Iran and other Muslim countries sometimes. They paint American flags, and you can see an Israeli flag here on the, the street so that you have to walk on them as a sign of disrespect. Obviously, that's what it's meant, but they want to normalize hating Israel, hating America and Iran. But as you can see here, and keep this running on a loop here, I want to show it one more time. This is footage from a university in Iran where the authorities painted this on the ground. But look at this. They're all walking around it. People are actually going to some effort to walk around those flags, not to step on them. They're treating them as sort of, sort of sacred almost. It's like they're all, like 95% of the people there are not stepping on the flags of Israel or America. It's not like 10% or 20% of Iranians who seem to be pro-American, or at least not anti-American. In that university, I think that was from a university, it was like 90% of students were so respectful of America and Israel, they weren't stepping on their flags. Uh, have you ever heard of that before? And there were chants in, in Tehran, not against America, but against Soleimani, the dead terrorist general, and against the Ayatollahs. By the way, you could be arrested for chanting against the Ayatollahs. These people were doing this at some risk. Now, there's a chance that this Michael McCain character is exactly what he looks like, a spoiled rich kid who was given daddy's company as an unearned inheritance. And his whole life he was used to people sucking up to him and just saying yes to him, um, no matter what he said. You know, it's, uh, no one ever properly said no to him. No one had the courage to say no to him. Maybe he'd fire you if you said no to him. And now he's treating 
Maple Leaf Foods, the company, like, I don't know, something else on there, like maybe his dad gave him a sports car when he was 16 and he's going to speed and crash it and wrap it around a tree because yeah, he didn't have to earn the money to pay for that car himself. He doesn't have to take care of things. He's a narcissist, as many sons of billionaires can be. It's tough, I'm sure, being the son of a billionaire. So maybe no one's ever told him no. But blaming Trump for the shooting down of an airliner is bizarre. It wasn't a series of events. It was one rocket fired by Iran's military. Iran admitted they did it. Tehran is very far away. Look at Tehran on the right-hand side there, and look at those red dots where the rockets attack were. Tehran is extremely far from any possible battle with the Americans. Um, remember what happened in revenge for Soleimani's killing. Iran lobbed a bunch of rockets at those Iraqi air bases where Americans are stationed, very far from Tehran where they shot down the plane that was taking off. I'm sorry, I do not believe that it was an accident. Michael McCain not only believes it was an accident, he's actually blaming Trump for it. Now, maybe he's just passionate because a friend's family died. I get it. I wish McCain had been as passionate about everyone who's killed by accident. I don't know if you know what I mean, but a few years ago, 23 Canadians died from listeria, a bacterial infection in Maple Leaf Foods cold cuts a few years ago, under Michael McCain's watch. Maybe if you spent a bit less time watching CNN and a bit more time, you know, working, I don't know, maybe those 23 people would be alive now, maybe not. You know, McCain fought those victims, the ones who survived, and, and the families of those who died. He fought them in court for years. And according to this Toronto Star article, after fighting them in court for years, he finally paid out. Well, in the case of Walter Muller, who survived, $697.34. That's how much Michael McCain paid his victims. Yeah, you can't blame that one on Trump or the Iranians. That's on Michael McCain. Imagine poisoning your customers, God forbid, and then fighting them in court for years, and then settling for less than 700 bucks each, which is probably, what, one hour's worth of what his, he pays his lawyer. He spent more on lawyers, I'm sure, than he did on the people he poisoned. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for moral lectures from Michael McCain. When I checked the stock price of Maple Leaf Foods today, it was down about 2%. It was hopping up and down a bit during the day. Maybe it'll come back up. Maybe it'll fall further. Who knows? I, I don't know if this is because of McCain's rant. I don't know. Um, I don't think it, the stock would fall because of what he said. The fact that he hates Trump probably has very little effect on his company. I think most Americans won't hear about it. And they won't link it to the various Maple Leaf brands like Swift and Schneider's and Shopsies and you know all these other menus you see here. I don't think people even know what's Maple Leaf meat. So I don't think there's going to be a consumer boycott or anything. I just don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think a lot of serious investors, forget about people who eat meat, but investors like banks, like people who buy shares by the million. They might say, hang on, hang on, is this bad judgment guy, this guy who can't control his emotions, this guy who does this on a Sunday night so there's no one around to stop him, this guy who uses corporate resources to scratch his personal itches, is this the guy who's really in charge of our multi-billion dollar company? 
we're investing in his judgment? You know, out of curiosity, I went through Maple Leaf Foods' last annual report. Uh, they made money last year. They sure did. Absolutely, they did. I went through the financials, and like I say, they're, they're in the black. They're making profit. But if Michael McCain had a different last name, I'm pretty sure he'd be fired immediately. Let me quote from his own letter to shareholders. Adjusted operating earnings of $215.6 million were 48.2 million or 18.3% below the prior year. Uh, which is disappointing, guys. I'm a little disappointed. I lost you $48 million. Sorry. Oh, you think, eh? An 18% drop in profit is disappointing? Well, not for him. I mean, hell, he's going to inherit, what, half a billion dollars? This is just him playing around, his dad keeping him busy. He's angry about Iran. He says he can't control his emotions. And maybe he can be forgiven if the Ayatollahs killed one of his colleagues' family. I get it. Let's not be so hard on him for his feelings. But... But what about his actions? What about what he's doing with his company? That's my point today. I went through the company Twitter feed. Just look, scroll faster. Dozens and dozens and dozens of tweets about global warming? You're talking about carbon neutrality? What, what do you, he just won't shut up about it. I'm serious, look at him, there he, there he is, he's posing. So handsome, just ask him. He won't shut up about global warming. Sorry, bud. You are in the pig and cow business. Um, they emit emissions. Um, they burp and fart, <laughs> to be plain about it. Sorry to use those words. Uh, food, agriculture, animals, livestock is a major source of carbon emissions. Because animals and food, that's the stuff of life, and we live in a carbon-based world. And we're carbon-based life forms, and we eat carbon-based food like pigs and beef. Um, so that's going to be that way if you're in the meat business. Maybe if Michael McCain spent more time running the company and less time running his mouth, he wouldn't be failing at his job. Here's a little disclaimer hidden away in the fine print in his annual report. I think this is on page 17. It said, to maintain its reputation with consumers and to support its sustainability strategy, that's what he was tweeting about, the company may consider it necessary to voluntarily adopt more aggressive greenhouse gas and carbon emission reduction initiatives, the cost of which may not be recovered in the selling price of its products." Unquote. In other words, Michael McCain is out there spouting off about global warming and Iran and whatever else he feels that day. But the company's accountants are warning shareholders, if customers ever took this buffoon seriously and expected Maple Leaf Foods to actually walk the walk, the cost could devastate the company. That's what that language means on page 17 of his annual report. Sounds like Michael McCain understands global warming almost as much as he understands Iran and terrorism and foreign policy. Oh, well, I hope it all works out for him. I, I saw this on the UK Foreign Office website. Uh, importing pork products isn't allowed in Iran. Iran, you're, you can't sell pork there. You can't export it there. 
like you do to America. So just speaking as a friend of Maple Leaf Foods and quite a consumer, maybe McCain should spend less time disparaging his American customers and more time just doing some work. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, I just checked the weather, and in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, the thermometer is hovering around the freezing mark. Uh, no surprise, Sweden is a northern country, not unlike Canada, and it gets cold there. Nonetheless, climate kid uh, Greta Thunberg has tweeted that it's time that the world abandon fossil fuels Right now, you can see this tweet she made. We don't want these things done by 2050, 2030, or even 2021. We want this done now. Right now. It's, <laughs> it's almost like a caricature of a teenage tantrum, which in fact it exactly is. Joining us now via Skype from the Washington area is our friend Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com and a real Greta skeptic just like us. Mark, great to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, Ezra. Happy to be here. Well, um, you know, there are some places in the world where I suppose you wouldn't freeze to death without fossil fuels. Stockholm, Sweden, one of the most northerly capitals in the world, ain't one of them. Um, I don't know, does anyone take the climate kids seriously, or is that the whole point? Uh, it's not meant to be thought about, it's just meant to be felt. And, um, and her target are kids anyways who maybe don't think these things through. Well, I think too many people take her seriously. I don't know if you saw the other corresponding story with Greta right now is there was a glitch in Facebook coding where people were able to find out that not only her father was making posts in her name on Facebook and Greta's saying he was just simply reposting stuff from her Twitter account, which she claims to run. But a, a, a UN activist from the UN had access to her Facebook account and was posting stuff as well. I mean, there's so a lot of people take a lot of stock in what she says, and there's a lot of powerful people behind what she says. And what she's saying is utter and complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. Talking about, you know, we need to get rid of fossil fuels now because of the planetary climate mm -hmm. crisis. Uh, you know, since 1980, the last 40 years, we've had radical increases in global consumption of fossil fuels, 40% in oil, up more than 100% in both natural gas. It's just incredible how someone could say something so ignorant but be taken so seriously being there with uh, Peter Sellers that film comes to mind where he was the gardener Chauncey Gardner and just said the most inane things and everyone just thought it was brilliant hmm. you know that's a great analogy I know I remember that movie uh, yeah. with Peter Sellers the gardener where he would just say literally the dumbest things like first comes winter then yes. comes spring and everyone would say oh he means this. He means this. He's brilliant. Yeah. That it was. It was a very, very funny movie. Uh, I remember the one that was a great Peter Sellers. But well, let me switch gears a little bit. I mean, I don't want to pick on Greta too much because, as you pointed out, she's uh, like a ventriloquist's dummy, and it's the handlers that we need to focus at. Focusing on her is, in fact, a form of misdirection. It's a sleight of hand for the UN and her dad and other sort of managers and. Yeah. Uh, 
they want you to look at Greta so you don't look yeah. behind Greta. And she serves as that human shield. How dare you attack, attack a teenage girl? Yeah. Every time I even do a post that's mildly critical all over Twitter, oh, you must have nothing better. All you're doing is attacking a teenage. She must really threaten you. It's like, no, she's being constantly thrown in everyone's face as some yeah. kind of expert. So actually, if, if, it's just it's the silliest thing. But that's what her role is, is to be a human shield. Now, there's a, uh, we've seen Greta and her parents wear Antifa T-shirts. And um, yeah. Antifa is a little bit different in different countries in the world. In continental Europe, it can be extremely violent. Um, and we've seen increasing Antifa violence in the United States, too. Portland, Oregon is probably the worst. Yeah. We've even seen some Antifa crimes in Canada uh, recently. Um, in fact, a Syrian migrant, a Syrian refugee, was charged with crimes at a Maxime Bernier event for uh, a protest in, in Hamilton. Um, I think there's a blur between Antifa and kid, climate kid uh, Greta Thunberg. Uh, we, we saw the t-shirts, but her shock troops, her street gangs, if I can use that phrase, Extinction Rebellion, yes. which blocks bridges, blocks roads. I haven't seen outright violence by them. I understand they were briefly listed in the United Kingdom as an extremist group. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, the government in the UK actually, you know, here's the thing. Now, the media and a lot of the activists are spinning it. We're not a terror organization. We shouldn't be... All they did is they listed them as a political, you know, a, a disruptive force in UK that the police should have on their watch list for the potential of violence. Completely reasonable thing to do. Mm -hmm. But as you can imagine, Ezra, reasonable things in today's political climate are not met well. The UK Guardian, others came up with all kinds of defenses. Uh, you know, politically left-wing uh, uh, MPs got involved, and the police suddenly had to remove their name from the list, Extinction Rebellion, mm -hmm. despite the fact that what they do is complete disruption in the U.S. here. We've had complete traffic jam chaos done here. They've tried to disrupt football games. They, dis they have disrupted football games. They disrupt Black Friday events. They, they continue to do this. You're going to get people angry, upset, cause traffic jams, accidents, and there's going to be inevitable violence. Police should be alerted yeah. that this is an extreme group, not a terror group. Now, yeah. obviously, we're... But there's differences here, but you can't have those kind of subtleties. In the UK, it looks like, and I'm not an expert on UK politics at the moment, but it looks like the police have backed down hmm. and are removing their name. Yeah. You know, you made me remember a scene from a few months ago. I did a show on it, but I want to remind our viewers. Um, a lot of people in London take the tube, take the subway. Um, yes. It, it really is one of the better ways to get around because that's such a traffic-jammed city. It's, it's ridiculous. The train is usually faster than a car. So you'll see working class people and upper class people on a train. It's just, it's like Manhattan that way. Um, so in the morning rush hour, some Extinction Rebellion leftists got on the roof of a train and they had some protest while other Extinction Rebellion types filmed it. And they were keeping this real crowd they were shutting down this line and it was jammed and these people had to go, go to work. And some of them could maybe afford to be late, but others would have been fired. I mean, if you were late for your work, they don't care. They would say, oh, that's an excuse. Come earlier next time. So the crowd, and it looked like a very working class crowd, 
were so angry they started physically grabbing yes. at the Extinction Rebellion types who started saying, oh, sorry, this isn't targeting you. Here, let me show you a quick clip. This is from a show I did a few months ago. Take a look at this. <laughs> That's just incredible. I think that it, it's one thing to live out your uh, role-playing exercise of a hero in the pages of The Guardian and The New York Times, but these real-life people were being stopped from taking transit, and they weren't going to have any of it. I think that shows the divide between real-life ordinary people and these climate elites who would never have their airline air flights delayed. They'd be outraged if they're delayed in a flight. Yeah. But they're happy to tell the little people how to live. They are. Now, keep in mind, George Monbiant, the UK environmentalist, he's a guru to uh, is Greta Thunberg. He's called for the overthrow of capitalism, big and extinction rebellion. They've done... Um, uh, 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 die. They've sprayed on government buildings in Europe, uh, vandalism. So they're willing to go and they seem to be pushing the envelope. So this is something, as you mentioned, it's like shouting fire in a crowded theater. This is going to cause chaos and violence. Mm -hmm. Therefore, UK police, it should be on their list of groups to watch for when they're holding a protest. It's perfectly reasonable public safety issue. Yeah, but right. that is out the window now because of our you know, our sensitivity to the climate crisis. Yeah. Well, I got one thing to say to the climate extinction rebellion folks. Um, don't try that. Uh, don't try that subway trick in Texas. Uh, uh, in America, where they're a little bit better armed and a little bit more uh, jealous of their freedoms. Yeah. Um, I don't well, think that that uh, power move would work out too well in Dallas, for example. Last word to you, Mike. Well, that was one of the things in, in the U.S. They did a football game. It was the Harvard-Yale uh, halftime. They delayed the whole game. I, I think it was the Extinction Rebellion or the Sunrise Movement. It may have been a collaboration of both. But people were saying, hey, why don't you go to a Philadelphia Eagles game or a Green Bay Packers game and delay the game and then go, to a, go to a playoff game and do that and yeah. see how – how civil and cordial the crowd will be as you're out there with your inane slogans screaming about fossil fuel use and, uh, and, and, and the alleged climate crisis. Yeah, the Harvard-Yale game, I mean, I, I'm sure they, they didn't like it much, but probably less rowdy. Reminds me of in Alberta, yeah. my uh, home province, where some animal rights extremists, they targeted a turkey farm run by a pacifist Christian uh, denomination called Hutterites because they knew if they went to any other farm, they'd leave full of shotgun pellets. Um, they're not very courageous, these folks. Well, I hope they do get um, the appropriate label, and it seems a bit odd to me that political pressure is enough to make police label or unlabel someone uh, extremists. Either they are a threat or they aren't, and some Twitter reaction isn't the determinant of that. Mark, we'll have to keep our eyes on these things. Thanks uh, for taking the time with us today. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Ezra. Appreciate right. it. That's our friend Mark Morano, the boss of ClimateDepot.com. Stay with us. More ahead on the road. Hey, welcome back. 
on my monologue Friday about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, Vanessa writes, Meghan Markle ruined her own family, and now she's ruining the royal family. I saw a statement by the Queen today that refers to Harry and Meghan, not Prince. There's no titles. I thought that she, the, the Queen said, we're still working this through, give us a few days. But there were no titles, not their royal highnesses or whatever, not Prince this, Princess that, just Harry and Meghan. I like the sounds of that. Rhea writes, the entitlement is out of control. I hope the Queen cuts her off. Well, her and him. You know, I, I told you the story about uh, Wallace Simpson who got her claws into uh, King Edward. And she didn't wind up that bad, spent a lot of time in America, went to the Bahamas, which of course is close to Florida. So being uh, the wife of the governor of Bahamas, that's not a bad way to live your life. If you've ever been there, it's pretty gorgeous. Um, but I think the royal family is like target number one in the world for grifters. I think Harry was a pretty good egg. You know, any royal family member who serves in the military for an extended period of time, I think he did two tours of duty in Afghanistan. How can you not admire that? I think he was just targeted by this serial grifter gold digger. And um, she is who she is, and he is a target. And if she will truly pry him away from her family, I think the queen, queen's got to cut him off. Cut him off. Cut off the title. That's all she wants. She'll dump him soon enough. On David Menzies' videos on Majid Johari, Kurush writes, I'm sending this message from Iran. This guy is certainly under the payroll of the criminal regime in Iran. Please do continue to report on this disgraceful guy. He enjoys living in a country with democratic values, and he still supports the atrocities of the Iranian regime. Shame on him. Canadian Parliament should get rid of him. He does not deserve to be an MP in a country like Canada. I assure you, the great majority and the real people of Iran do appreciate your efforts in such reports. Well, Karosh, thank you for writing from Iran. And that's interesting that our video is seen that far away. That video did quite well. Um, for those of you who didn't see it, maybe I should put it on the show. Uh, it's on our YouTube channel. David went to a vigil for the killed terrorist, Qasem Soleimani. It was crazy. David also went to try and track down Majid Johari, liberal MP for Richmond Hill. Now, we don't have any evidence. I want to I want to put this on the record because there's an allegation from Iran that Majid Johari, the liberal MP from Richmond Hill, is on the payroll of the government of Iran. I have not seen any evidence to that effect. I've heard the accusation, and we've seen other media reports that he is an asset of Iran, but we have no evidence that he was paid. But I tell you, he's certainly giving great service to Iran, and he's hiding right now from every journalist including from our own David Menzies. Well, we're not going to stop reporting on this subject. It's very interesting times. And of all the countries in the Middle East that are under the yoke of radical Islam, I think Iran is the one with the most potential to recover and be a modern, secular, educated, progressive, peaceful, prosperous country. Certainly not Afghanistan, and I wouldn't bet on anything in Iraq, and Syria is a pile of rubble right now. Egypt is poor, but Iran... There's a little bit of hope there. What do you think of that video of the students refusing to walk on the American and Israeli flags? That's incredible. You wouldn't get that deference at an, at an American university. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night. 
and keep fighting for freedom.